Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 6, titled A Golden Crown. This is a pretty good one. Yeah. Pretty eventful. Early, early favorite. Like, I remember, uh, I talked about this in previous podcasts, but man, I was just like, God, this fucking Viserys guy's got to get it. He's got to <laughs> get it. And I did not expect that the retribution would be so swift and sure. It is. And kind of awesome. Yeah. Like yeah, I've real awesome. I've never seen an execution go down quite like this. Nope. And the thunk when he hits the <sighs> the floor, clang, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ned, you know, finally starts to connect some dots here, and sure, uh, he's, he feels like he's been struggling with that for a long time, and he's got a lot of people pushing him in that direction. But you need, finally, you need a little milk of the poppy to open up his <laughs> neural pathways. Yep. Okay, let's get into the recap. We start off with Ned, uh, who's been patched up. He wakes up to find Robert and Cersei standing over him. Uh, Robert commands that Catelyn release Tyrion and Ned make his peace with Jaime. But Ned wants to go after Jaime, and Cersei starts to question Robert's leadership, so he smacks her. Then when Cersei leaves, Robert commands Ned to tell Catelyn to return Tyrion. He agrees and asks to go back to Winterfell, but Robert says, no, no, no and tosses him back the hand of the king badge, uh, making him hand of the king again. it has been reinstated against his own will. Where where do you stand on smacking Cersei around? Uh, Well, I don't like Cersei, but I'm not a fan of smacking people (laughs) in general. So I I don't know. I kind of like it because Cersei's real shit. (laughs) That's the thing. Like, I don't. I'm not an advocate for smacking women, but I'm yeah. also not an advocate for women plotting the deaths of uh, f- innocent, honorable people for yeah. no damn good reason. Yeah, I mean, she. Because that's what know. she's doing. She's it's essentially rough. goading Robert into starting a war, uh, or at least right. like you know, killing Ned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm sure exactly what she's advocating for. Yeah, and and you know, she, they just won't like they're constantly at each other's throats, her and Ned, and they won't shut the hell up. Not that that requires a smack, but well, and that's the other things. Like, I don't even think condemned criminals should be put to death by pouring molten gold on their skull. Right. Having said that, super satisfying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when right. it happened on Game of Thrones. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot in the show that has one questioning their their liberal uh, leanings and, and beliefs. Yes, so. that's true. Uh, but even even King Robert admitted that wasn't kingly behavior. No, certainly not. But he probably felt pretty good with it, too. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about here? I mean, Ned's uh, really trying to get out of here, but it's so not it's working. Fun- <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, I, f- I forgot that. I thought uh, I forgot that Ned, that that King Robert standed strong on this or stood strong on this death to Danny philosophy. I thought at the end oh. of the speech, like if you had put a gun in my head, I thought, oh well, you know, Ned would have had his way because this was the big thing that he stopped being a hand about, and King Robert Nothing's essentially <laughs> says, well, fuck it, you're going to be the hand, and I'm going to kill the woman, the mm-hmm. the, the girl, and you're going to help me. So there. Yeah, I I don't know why Ned decides to that that's cool with him now all of a sudden well he's also got a lot of shit going on and he needs to get himself you know clear of it before he uh because i guess a lot of the jamie lannister being a fugitive from justice relies on the fact that ned is actually still the hand of the king that was a crime to assault the hand of the king okay 
I, not a crime to assault the not hand of the king. Well, I mean, he did like I. I don't. I don't know what this world's sense of justice is because right. I think there's right. a certain school of thought that if Catelyn had just snatched Tyrion off the streets and put and and held him against his will, that you could come up and you know snatch the other guy across the. I, again, I don't think yeah, Jamie intended so. to kill Ned, mm-hmm. but then again, I don't think the hand can act with impunity. I don't, if if he truly did authorize the order, then yeah. But then again, maybe he can. I'm, I'm fuzzy on exactly <laughs> where the limits of the the hand, when the king is still in the the city. You know, I mm-hmm. sure if 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 Robert's out hunting and he did all this shit, it seems pretty open and shut. Yeah. Robert might not have liked it and could have undone it once he gets back. But like you know, what the what the hand says goes. So we go over to Danny, who's trying to warm up one of her eggs in a fire, for some unknown reason. <laughs> Gotta uh, set the egg timer. Good way to end up with uh, overboiled eggs. Uh, her servant girl sees her doing it and rushes in to save her from the heat, but the servant is the only one who gets burned, even though she didn't hold the egg for nearly as long as Danny did. Mm. It's very surprising that Danny is not burned at all. Those soft hands made of asbestos. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, did, what does she say at the end of this? Something about him not being a dragon. Yeah, he's not not a true dragon. Right, dragons can't be killed by fire. Yeah, I can't help but feel that that's kind of tied into this because she's essentially soaking this egg in fire. Well, and the other thing in her is, own hands. Yeah, and we've also seen her get into scalding hot water without any kind of visible affect. Right um, now, why wouldn't Viserys uh, be a true dragon? Because isn't he? It's not just the blood. that's like a no true Scotsman. If you oh, behave really? in a way that does not really? be fit, it's yeah. Mm. You can't be a dragon, obviously, or he wouldn't have been burned. Doy, okay. the doy. <laughs> sure, that makes sense. Uh, so Bran has the same vision that he had before of this three-eyed raven, and he follows it down into the crypts. But you know, it escapes again, and he wakes up to see Hodor with his newly constructed saddle. Ho ho Hodor slinging the gifts, <laughs> looking super happy. Like, oh yeah, it's Christmas his fucking morning, today. and he's Santa Claus. <laughs> he really is. Uh, he takes so Brand takes it out for a test ride. Theon and Rob kind of discuss whether he's going to do anything about the attack on Ned and the killing of all of his men. But Rob doesn't think it's smart. Can we make for our Christmas card if we do the Christmas? I don't know. If I don't know if we'll do it like we did last year. Ho, but ho, if we Hodor. do, can we get, can we commission a ho ho Hodor? We should card. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, and then they notice Bran is gone, so they go looking for him. They're they're really pressing this issue with Theon about you're not a Stark. I know you're a sad sack of shit living in your enemy's house. <laughs> like, oh my god, over and over again. Yep. Is it starting to get tired? It had an extra dimension of kind of Rob because he's always been Rob's boy, right? You know, I guess so. he's there to private war council. He was, uh, I, I felt like Rob rebuffing him added a little bit more dimension to kind of like, you know, a little bit more pathos to their story. But yeah, I think I mentioned that last week. Like, wow. And that's the thing. None of these were complaints I had the first time around. I think right. it's only or when you already know, it's like, oh my God, you get, I get it. I get it. But right. he's not part of this house. We you understand. know, uh, uh, since I didn't have that objection the first time, I guess maybe that's more of uh, it's tiresome because I already know it. Yeah, it just makes me wonder when's he gonna snap? When's right. he gonna like hear it for the last time and beat somebody senseless or something? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Bran out on his own is accosted by some people who are apparently headed south. 
uh, Rob and Theon kill two of them, and they take the woman prisoner. Where did this uh, Mance Raider again? This is like the third time we've heard of him. This hmm. is the first time south okay. of the wall, but these are these purport to be wildlings who are fleeing in terror from the threat of the White Walker. They want to get right. as far yeah, south as it. possible. Mm-hmm. And you don't do that by wailing northern lords. No. No, they should have just kept going. Yeah. Maybe they wanted that horse meat. That sweet, sweet horse meat. I just feel like that's... I don't really understand unless these guys are just... I, I don't understand why they looked like they were well... You know, they had clothes on their back. Right. Uh, they had... Sure they know how to hunt. Some Yes. <laughs> like, why the fuck are you trying to rob these people? Wouldn't you try to stay as far away from little, guy, little lords and fine clothes on horseback as possible? Well, it felt like they were divided. Like, they were split. So... Like yeah, the, some the of them thought, oh, let's ransom. take I'm this like, back. Let's take this kid back. He's a lord. Yeah. Imagine the reward we'll get for this. And the other one's like, no, 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 we're going south. Yeah, the reward is death. The reward is death for kidnapping. <laughs> like, you know, there's no no circumstance where three of you guys go into Winterfell with Bran and leave without Bran and a sack of gold or whatever you imagine. No, I think they were talking about heading back north to deliver him to what the f- Mance. Yeah, okay, that that makes even less sense cuz what the hell? They're headed south, I know. Like one yeah. of them is just a dummy. Yeah, you either go you either go south or you, you you do some pillaging. You can't really, you know, if you if you, you pillage both ways. Uh, yeah, like, you know, come on, have you ever played Grand, Grand Theft Auto before? Uh what okay, where well, are you I going mean, with like, that? You know, if you're on a mission, now's not the time to be killing prostitutes and jacking cars try to keep, right. a low, keep those star right. levels low man right so you know if you're if you're doing if you're doing a mission if you're trying to get south so leave leave the little lords alone i'm with you that's all i'm saying they've really been doing a lot of uh foreshadowing with theon and his archery as well to set up this moment sure where he shoots this guy through the heart saves bran yeah, I think he made the right call. I understand why Rob's all pissed off and scared, and he's full of piss right. and vinegar, and this is a shocking thing, but come on. Yeah, Theon did the right thing. Yep. Uh, Tyrion nearly falls out of his sky cell while he's rolling around in his sleep and decides he's had enough. He bangs on the door until the guard comes in and starts hitting him. <laughs> uh, Tyrion offers him gold, but after searching his pockets, the guard decides he doesn't have any, and he takes off. Mm-hmm. This is pretty funny. It is like all all these I scenes forget, with Tyrion. I forgot how much humor is in the first the the, the early goings. Yeah, so kinda much like of it Breaking comes Bad. From similarly, is like you know that's like right. kind of what you think of is this mix of drama and humor, and then that gradually kind of falls off in favor of the drama. Right. Uh, yeah, I I can't get enough of Tyrion in these early seasons. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, Arya tells Sirio she doesn't want to practice today. She's got a lot on her mind. And Sirio takes the opportunity to teach her that she has to ignore her troubles, or her trouble, as he calls it, and be in the moment during a fight. And then he tells her, there is only one god, death. And they say one thing to death, not today. Which is a quote that is frequently misattributed and butchered in image macros. Because I think the most people that say... Um, what do we say like to the God of Luke, Death? Luke, I'm your father. Yeah, exactly. That sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. They say, it, and and he that actually that construction never appears. As I found out, I quoted that like last season. I had a 50 million people quote and say that that actually doesn't appear in the yeah. series. Just, and here it is. What do we say to death? Yeah, fuck so, off. That's what the actual <laughs> canonical statement is. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I do really love Syria too. It's yeah, a, it, he brings. A surprising sense of adventure for a show that yeah. 
should have a lot of it, but kind of doesn't. It's all political right now. Right. Um, but all that adventure just is kind of embodied by Serio. I get the feeling that on his days off, man, he is out there just sure. swashbuckling. Chasing cats from yeah. hell to breakfast. <laughs> right. Now, the other thing is, I was truly shocked at how little Serial Pharrell we're getting. Like, I okay. I, I remembered a lot. I feel like that there's a there was a lot more Serial Pharrell, but we've had, this is the second scene we've seen him in? I think so, yeah. Kind of crazy. Second, maybe third? Maybe I'm, he's I'm in the sure. back. Yeah, like, he might have had, a, like, a really brief one, but it's like, uh, I'm, tre- I'm I'm treasuring all this Serial. It's good, good, good Serial stuff. Yep, me too. Uh, we go over to Danny. Early Serial, best Serial. <laughs> She's eating a horse heart. She just eats the whole thing. It's part of some ceremony. And then she names her unborn child Rego. I think it's a little premature to start eating hearts and naming children here. Mm. But uh, she ate the heart. The 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 crone prophesied. What could go wrong? Right. Right. I just think maybe wait till a child is born and is not like stillborn or something insane and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> then name it. This. So Especially I, in this world. I I got on the commentary track that uh that Amelia Amelia Clark, uh, ate, this is a gummy bear heart, with like Cairo syrup, drenched in Cairo that syrup. Sounds pretty good, actually. Cairo syrup with red. Well, she says it's actually yeah, it does sound that until you you're just sinking your teeth into it and the texture and and the stickiness and it's like it's like I didn't have to do much acting as far as the retching and all that because the other thing is like man, eating a whole raw horse heart, that's I don't. That's it's intense. That's yeah. a that's an eating challenge. That's some man versus food shit. It sure is. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, but no. It's a, they they put a lot of a lot of, a lot of portents in these signs here. I always wonder with these chanting scenes, these these ceremonial chanting scenes, how, how do you exit this gracefully? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, when does the chanting die down? It's like. When I'm she carrying starts to throw, you when she gets circle. the last bite and she starts to throw it up, it's just like, you know. No, he he grabs her and he's carrying her walking around in, oh, in a circle one. and everybody's going, Rego, Rego. Right, like right. a month? A day? I don't know. Thirty seconds after the scene You've ends. You've been in crowds where this happens, yes. Like it just kinda has its own little life and sometimes With something chanting? Can, can spark it up. I like don't oh, know. I guess saying, I've done the wave at a baseball. Or game applause. Or some like shit. just a long sustained applause. Like eventually it starts to trail off and then the speaker can either goad it or they can quiet it down or they like I you know. Okay. Fair. I just I wouldn't think any of these people would want to be the first to stop chanting. That's that's why it goes on for so fucking long. Yeah, until your hand, until until your until your lungs get sore. Yeah, Drogo, Drogo's like, nope, I'm done carrying her. Just puts her down. Uh, but yeah, they should, they uh, apparently you eat the heart, you get a prophecy. This prophecy is about the stallion. She's carrying the stallion who's going to mount the world, who's going to become the cow of cows, unite the all the disparate calisars. Because uh, this is you know this is very analogous to the Mongol, uh, the steppe steppe right. nomads in in Asia. Yep. That, uh, you know, they have several different tribes and uh, they all have like individual warlords. But this is going to be like the Genghis Khan and kind of unite them all. And uh, all the Make people that were will be army. his herd. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Rob's on about in that scene last episode where he right. says, what's what's the bigger number, five or one? Right. And uh, Viserys is jealous. And not yeah. Just, I, not, not even jealous. Just kind of like he's seen a magic trick that he doesn't understand. Like these people love her. Why? What? What? Yeah. Why? Why don't they love me? And he is jealous too. I mean, sure, you, you got that right. He's and later on. He's just like, why does no one ever give me anything like that? Mm-hmm. He 
the I will say this about the actor because I'm sure he's a lovely person. Um, <laughs> but he plays this with almost a little bit of a childlike yeah. quality. Yeah, that gives it a bit of a tragedy, tragic quality. Like you know, again, if you really? think about this guy's backstory. He was he, he fled from his home while everything was on fire when he was. 9, 10, 11 with his baby uh, sister and he's protected her and he's been taken yeah. advantage of and scammed and, you know, like he, he never really had a time to, you know, become a, a proper man of himself. Uh, it doesn't keep me from thinking, man, it's real annoying, these scenes. Oh, sure. Like when he, later when he goes off before he gets his crown, uh-huh. he's like, oh, okay, well, that's all I wanted. Yeah, uh, like yeah. all, all of this shit is just, uh no, I don't know. Danny's stuff is kind of the least favorite of mine at the mm. at the early going. Yeah, uh, it's just not super interesting to me because it's so far removed from all the other characters that I really like. Right. Uh, so I don't know, and and some of the performances don't help either. Sure. Although I think uh, Jason Mimosa, <laughs> Jason, sure, Jason Momoa, I think mm-hmm. is his name. Yeah, his his uh, father was orange juice and his mother champagne. <laughs> right. So. Uh... <laughs> uh yeah he's he pulls off a really good drogo i mean that's the thing like i feel like he was the one of the biggest breakout stars of the the first season yeah and it's kind of steals the show over there you know and and it's still crazy that he didn't parlay this into more fame like i know he got conan the barbarian which i still like i think he's a great conan in kind of a just an average conan movie yeah uh hopefully he'll get another shot with aquaman right Um, he's doing that he's incredible as drogo yeah um, Viserys tries to steal Danny's dragon eggs, but Jorah catches him and makes him put down the eggs before leaving. It's like you can take the eggs if you can pronounce dynasty correctly. Dynasty. <laughs> nope. <laughs> dynasty. No. No, not even dynasty. Close. Nope. Nope. <laughs> you fucked it all. Don't up. mind if I do. Uh, we learned that you apparently can't carry swords in Face Dothrak. I don't yeah. know if that's something we knew before, but. It's one of those things, like, I, I, I don't know if it's, like, maybe the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to pontificate on something that I not cl- have a clear grasp of the facts. Okay. But I'm, I, I don't know if it's, like, you can't have bladed weapons or you just can't shed blood. And, like, kind of like, um, you know, there's, like, the, the, the law covenant that the, the, the Jews were given. And then mm-hmm. they set up, like, the walls around the law covenant. They're like, well, you can't work on the Sabbath. Well, shit, now we got to define what work is. Uh, I kind of I right. feel like the blade thing is like, you know, that thing. Like, well, you can't shed blood, so you better not even bring swords in here so you don't piss off the gods. But um, Yeah, I mean, Jorah's, right, Jorah says don't let them see you with that. Right. Uh, and then later on, you're right, uh, Viserys is like, oh, they can't shed blood, but I can. Right. So it is a little confused. But we also find out that Jorah's into Danny, or at least Varys, or Viserys thinks so. Mm, what do you think? Uh, I just, I really haven't, like, there might be a slight whiff of it here. Like, I, I view it more as respect, though. Like, he's, he's coming to respect this, what he thought was just a little girl. Yeah. When she came, uh, the first time. Yeah. But I, I don't know, I, it doesn't seem like there's much of that in the show. And also, I guess what the, the fuck is he going to do about it? This, like, this is the first scene that I've actually thought maybe there was a little something there because, as Viserys points out, you swore an oath to me, not my sister, certainly not to Cal fucking Drogo. What right. the hell? And he's like, you know, does loyalty mean nothing to you? And he goes, loyalty means everything to me. Yet here you stand. Yet here I stand. I thought that was a great exchange. 
And it's almost like maybe something Jorah doesn't even understand. Yeah, maybe. It's like, look, man, I got this I got this burning, uncomfortable sensation in my chest. It's either love or heartburn. I've been I'm, eating a lot of I'm, horse meat. I'm from I the really north, don't know. I'm emotionally constipated. I don't really know which, but you literally just can't have these... constipated. Yeah, I'm literally <laughs> I got horse meat blocking me up. <laughs> just a giant plug working its way through my system. And uh yeah, I don't know what it is, but you can't have them eggs. Yeah, there's nothing he could do about it, even if he does. I mean, she's wed to Caldrogo. Yeah. Good luck with that, dude. No, he can like, do, he can pull the Andrew Lincoln uh show up outside her tent with a bunch of cue cards. Oh, that Andrew Lincoln. I thought you meant. No, I'm not going Walking Dead, but I love actually. Okay. Yeah, he comes out with the cue cards. It's like, you know, you right. can't ever know. And he's my best bro, but, you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Andrew Lincoln. Have some self-respect. Yeah, no shit. Does the bro code he's mean nothing to stealing you? stealing women in everything, he's, in everything he's ever been in. Or having women stole. Is he? It's the only thing he can do. Steal women or have them stolen from him. Or, or a fail at stealing. Because he didn't actually steal Kira Knightley. No, I don't remember that. I've seen it once a while ago. It's the worst. I used to love that movie, but the more I watch it, the more I realize it's like the worst thing ever. Bill Nye is still great. Yeah, true. There's one thing that movie can't, they can't take away from that movie. Cannot. We go back uh, over to Tyrion, who once again calls the jailer into his cell to offer him gold. This time he's got a bit more of a plan, he explains. <laughs> uh, certainly you know who the Lannisters are. Yes, they're very rich. Gets uh, out the chalkboards, Econ 101. Right. I'm I they always pay their debts. I'm a Lannister. Help me out and and look, I'll owe you gold if you tell Lady Aaron that I wish to confess my crimes. What I think is brilliant about Peter Dinklage here is that he's he's playing a very smart character who knows the smart thing is to not talk down to this character, but yet right. that's what he does and he's trying desperately to find the line between <laughs> <laughs> you know, telling this guy what a fool he is, but not letting him know he's a fool and not getting beat by the baton and also getting to do yeah. what he wants. And it's like he's just skewered on this pin that he's trying to wiggle around. Yeah, I love it. I, I understand that the concept of ownership is a nebulous thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. So good. Right. And he's, you know, patronizing him. Just sure. Say, oh, that's because you're a smart man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. And this, the, the look on his face when he's doing it, that's the thing. That's why Tyrion's such a great character. Yep. Uh, so they call Tyrion in to confess his crimes. Uh, he does. He com- confesses all the crimes he's actually committed, but he still denies any involvement in Jon Aaron's death or Bran's leg troubles. Uh, this angers Liza, who's ready to kill him. He demands a trial, though, and Lysa opens the moon door to scare him and agrees to let Robin judge Tyrion, which would not go well for oh. Tyrion. Robin's just itching to get somebody out that right. moon door. Right. Yeah, he'd be... I want to see the bad man fly. He would get eye into his uh, d- debates and just not throw him out the window. That yeah. moon door is pretty badass, though. It is. If you're going to have a near-mystical sky castle, then... Yeah. I, I do love how... You know, the Eerie's themed, right? Sure. Themed with uh, all these different sky punishments. Yeah, got to. Uh, uh, but also, just, you know, man, Tyrion's story, this, just his confession is really oh, funny. I love it. I forgot about all the stuff about milking his eel <laughs> and making a bald band cry and his, and, and, and his sister's eating it, which, <laughs> gross, but also kind of a Lannister thing. And, and uh, then And then when he's like... I once took a jackass and a honeycomb into a brothel. Yeah, and and more she's to like, come enough. on. Enough. Yes, yes. And Robin's like, what? What happens next? Right. And <laughs> and more to come on that. If you're a, a Robin Aaron uh, 
you know, curious like like he is. Um, you know, he might have been able to talk his way out of this. You think so? I think he could, probably could have entertained Robin enough for him to forget about this moon door mm. if he just did a straight up trial. Mm. But then all of his mom's got to do is flop out her tit and say he's a bad man, and then he's right back in the hawk mm. again. We can make him fly. Hard to talk your way out of the sugar tit. Right. So instead, Tyrion demands a trial by combat. Pretty much everyone in the room volunteers to be Liza's champion, but there's really not anyone except for this guy in the back who we've seen a couple of times before. Sure. He's the uh, one who's, that who's to be sold his champion. bed. He's the one that uh, is talking about how he can impregnate the uh, the Eerie. <laughs> right. He's the one that uh, was distinguished himself in acts of badassery with the when the Mountain Tribe attacked. Uh, he's good to like the cut of his jib. Yeah, no, he, he seems like a cool character. Uh, anything else on this scene? Nope. Okay, we go over to the King Rinley Lancel. Are we talking about him demanding Jamie as a champion? Oh, right, yeah. Which I remember. And she's like, nah, he's weeks away. Yeah, when I first saw that, I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, we're going to see yeah, like, a awesome. real fight to the death of Jamie and then uh-huh. instantly shut down. I wonder also, if Tyrion has used this shit. That, that's Yeah, no kidding. Like, is there any crime that Tyrion... I mean, that's the loophole in... Like, the mountain can it, essentially just, get right. out of jail free anytime he wants. So, I forget that this is kind of the introduction to the trial by combat. For right. Him, right? Like, this is the first time you hear about it in the series. Yes. Maybe we should talk a little bit about that. Because I've always found that to be a ridiculous concept. The idea that you could, A, be proven innocent i guess by killing someone right uh and that you don't even have to do it yourself you can you can nominate a proxy well i mean so you know it only it only works even a little bit if you believe well i mean i guess it works ultimately if you believe that number one the gods exist number two they give a shit about what you're doing and number three they have human senses of justice what do you mean by that because i find that idea preposterous that there's any justice in this whatsoever that's what i'm saying but like if you believe that the gods do then they can manipulate the events to get their correct outcome like you know you could put a sword in your hand and he could beat the mountain and you could beat the mountain if the gods are on your side i because i guess the fourth the fourth implicit exception are for the gods are in control right at like you know all levels of of reality if you don't buy into any one of those things and this thing all falls apart this um, seems Go I was going to say, the other thing is from, you know, once once you look at it from a humanistic uh, point of view, I mean, even uh, combat against, you know, lord against lord is stupid, mm-hmm. but it essentially makes, there's no way that a common man could ever bring a grievance against a lord. Exactly. Because a That's lord's gonna have going to have castle fort steel and plate armor, and you're going to have a pitchfork, so fuck you. Right. And not only do they have that, but they have the absolute best fighters in the land because the penalty for not being the champion would probably be death. Like, oh, you wouldn't defend my my sibling or my son or my daughter or my wife against uh, the claim. Well, now you're dead, too. Well, and all the best fighters are looking to distinguish themselves and get lands and and favors and whatnot. So, like, it's a pretty strong... It's so stacked against anybody but the Lord. It's an absurd concept for justice. Completely. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I've always felt that way. Although, in this universe where there may or may not be actual gods with magic powers, maybe it's not so absurd. Yeah, but, I mean, Tyrion, you know, having a brother who's an excellent swordsman is (laughs) even better off, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that um, in this particular trial by combat, Tyrion was innocent. 
Right. So the correct yeah. outcome was achieved. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I agree. It's just you couldn't so ergo, that. who are we to argue with its, its, right. its, its, its justice? The correct result, it doesn't matter to process. The result is all that matters. Sure. <laughs> so we go over to the woods, and the king, Rinley, Lancel, and Sir Barristan Selmy are trotting through them. While Robert's kind of recounting his his days of battle and sexual conquest, and he's teasing Rinley for not being manly enough. Have you ever made the eight, Jim? I have not made the eight. No, I think I'm missing a Riverlands girl. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rinley questions how great those days actually were. Sure. And then he stomps off, and Lancel gives the king some more wine. Because this is the whole thing. I mean, a lot going on here, this Rinley. This is, uh, yeah. this is part of his talk with Loris. It's part of him having to play this role, you know, where he's... Um, He's trying to play this role where he's an uber man like his his brother, right. even though he is a gay man, which apparently the realm would see as less than. Uh, so there's a this is a, a, a big argument in the making, and it kind of takes Robert by surprise. Yeah, a like, little bit. You know, his brother his brother's probably been the you know joshing and easy to get along with and easygoing and. And then now he's, uh, you know, what the fuck? I'm having a bad time here. I'm, the only reason I'm out on this goddamn boar hunt is because Ned's d- pissed me off, and so is my wife. And the you're queen. too fat to joust. I'm too fat to joust, <laughs> so I got to kill something. Might as well, you know, pig on pig combat. Right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Selmy kind of, I like the uh, continue the characterization of him where he's just kind of, you know, could, I guess cajoling the king. Yeah. You can yeah, tell Selmy's not the kind of guy he's going to make the eight or do, like, you know, he's probably not into yeah, bragging about bloodshed. No, I don't but... believe I have or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we go to some people coming to Ned, who's kind of the interim king. Oh, the other, did you point out that Lancel is, like, offering Robert wine yeah. at every opportunity? Okay, I want to make sure we got that in. Yeah, yeah, he, he says, here, you should have more wine after he has his argument with Rinley. Right, because that's the other reason why I, I kind of got the idea that maybe Robert's more Robert than usual. Yeah, because yeah. he's he's in his cups. Yep. So people come to Ned. I don't know who these people are, but Ned's the interim king, and they have their stories of some dudes marauding through their lands, killing, pillaging, leaving fish behind. Well, it's not all bad then, you know. Sure, you your crops got burnt, fish. but you got a sack full of fish. Yeah, Jesus did that too. <laughs> Uh, they describe an enormous man cutting the head off a horse and Littlefinger makes a connection to the mountain and also to Tywin, who he says the mountain has been described as Tywin's mad dog. Is that right? Mm, yeah. Tywin's lap dog. Tywin's no, mad dog. Big, scary dog. Yeah. Uh, he suggested the Lannisters might be getting even for Catelyn taking Tyrion. And then Ned tells this guy named Beric Dondarrion to take a hundred men to the mountain's keep and bring him to justice. It'll take about that many. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, condemning him to death. And he also tells Pycelle to contact Tywin and demand that he report to King's Landing within a fortnight or be branded a traitor to the crown. He does. He proclaims a lot of sweeping shit right here. And this is legit badass. Like yeah. I, I remember watching this and being like, fuck yes, Ned Stark. Here's justice. Robert's out hunting boars. This is the way it should be. Just let him stay out there hunting boars and fucking (laughs) whores. That's all he wants to do anyway. Yeah, have Ned with a strong, even, steady hand moving the realm forward. And a sense of honor and justice. And I I don't know. I think it's a good call. Uh, These people are very scared that he's making too many decisions without the king. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which probably rightfully so. 
Well, you know, but then, I can then also there are a bunch of lick spittle toadies. They're the ones that have enabled Robert to get the kingdom in this. So you need Ned's strong leadership. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I don't really believe that. I'm just, just uh, given the... <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, I think you need some of that. You yeah. also need someone who's going to listen to his counsel when they have something good to say, but... Sure. But, yeah, you, you can't be a... You can't just totally push over your council and no, it's kind of a comedy of errors because Ned seen this this council like essentially rubber stamp anything that Robert feels passionately about, so he kind of feels that their council is valueless. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, half of this council here has already told him, "Don't trust me." So sure, yeah. <laughs> what do you want? There's always that too. Uh, so the trial by combat begins, and Braun evades Liza's champion until he gets so tired he can't hardly move. Then he cuts him up and shoves him out the moon door. That is a lot of blood. Yeah, the, yeah near, well... Near the shining levels of blood coming out of that guy's yeah, armor. he put his sword all the way through him. Like, that's pretty get right to brutal jugular. way to kill somebody. Yeah, no, it was... It's crazy. He's just floating yeah. like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. Also, I felt like uh, this character... Uh, I'm just gonna say, his name's Braun. right. Okay, yeah. fuck it. I'm pretty sure if we don't find out this episode, it's the next one. Uh, I think I just called him that in the recap anyway. Okay, so. cool. Uh, I felt like he didn't really necessarily want to kill this guy. He's like looking at Lady uh, Lady R and Lysa like, yeah. okay, I beat him now. I'm slapping him with his own hands. Here comes the sword. <laughs> well, fuck it, all right. And like, there you go. It's trial by didn't, combat, man. It's yeah, to the death. I don't necessarily think it is. I don't think it's supposed to be. Like No? Like, like, trial by combat doesn't necessarily have to be trial to death. It just, you hmm. know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm about to pontificate on something I don't really 100% know. But I've, I've always, right. I, I know for a fact that I've seen trials by combat where people survived. I think there was some one of those in one of the hedge nights. No, that's called bum fights. Bum. <laughs> You've just been watching too much YouTube. No, I'm not a <laughs> bum fight fan. But okay. no, I, I thought there was something in, in one of the prequel novels about Dunkin' Egg uh, that you hear referred to from time to time. Uh, Huh. Where they had uh, a uh, a trial a trial by seven, where you had seven on seven fight. Oh, sweet! Yeah, it's like a fucking but I've seen that. WWE I know how that goes. Match what the the first team to lose a man just yeah loses right. Every, you know yeah. it's uh I've seen the team team fighting championship stuff. Yeah, that's it's exciting yeah, unless for about you, a second. unless you script it. It turns out it, right. it's uh you know one Royal being Rumble. one man down it means someone get two on one and that's a shit show. Yeah. Uh so Liza's pretty disappointed by the outcome of this, but they let Tyrion go anyway. He takes his gold back, he tosses it to the jailer and he heads home. He keeps his word. Lannister always pays his debts. Pretty pretty fucking sweet. And he's like you know, the whole you don't fight with honor. Nope, he did. And Tyrion yeah. with his bow and his taking is just tossing the uh, bag of coins and moored. <laughs> There's so Pretty much badass. in this fight. Like, okay, Bron, maybe you shouldn't let yourself get backed up to the moon door if you're really faster than this guy and he's already half worn out. Mm-hmm. The, this epic struggle at the moon door didn't really need to happen. No. Uh, also, yeah, he does. He does fight real dirty, which I like. Mm-hmm. But, you know. There, there are no rules in combat. There's sand on the floor. You throw it in the guy's eyes. And then there's this moment where the guy gets cut through the elbow yeah. or, or through through the uh, the armpit. Yeah. And he stands back and he opens his helmet. I think he knew. I think at as that if point, to say, I'm I'm gonna get beat here. Can I stop? Yeah, I think at the point, like you know, a lot of combats go like to the first blood. Mm-hmm. I think like he was thinking that. Well, I've lost, but he was going to get. You know, I, I got the sensation that. 
Okay. Either he that thought maybe sense. the combat would be over, or yeah. he at this point knew he was doomed. Because hmm. like, well, I've given my best when I was at full strength and I was healthy. Now I'm yeah. half, I'm half dead on my feet, and I just took a wound. This is going to go poorly for <laughs> or me. Or the actor was like, "Look, I'm about to die. One page from now, can I at least get a close up? <laughs> sure. One final shot from the director's like, fine. Open your helmet. Right. Uh, I, I also like how I, I get the feeling that. Roderick, you said his name was mm-hmm. Sideburns. Yeah, was hoping Tyrion would die so he could like pocket this gold. Oh, I think he's. he's I'm not sure anybody knew account. he had that. Honestly, sure. Uh, one little detail from the books that they don't really mention um, is that one of the reasons there's so many lords hanging around here is everybody's kind of angling for her hand in marriage. Ah, like makes all sense. the most prominent lords, and they were all. That's one of the reasons they're super eager because you know they they want to be the next Lord of the Vale. Man, even after witnessing all the craziness that is Liza. Yeah, you know, you got the... I'm, I'm not saying anyone thought she's a prize, but uh, you do get the pretty sweet castle. Yeah, I suppose so. They don't have castles of their own already? Or eh, keeps? Keeps. Or... Okay. Not a castle on top of a fucking mountain with a moon door. Right. Nobody got that. Not even Robert Baratheon's got that. Not the Knights of the Vale, either. He's got to cut people's heads off the old-fashioned way. I can't just chuck them out a door. <laughs> True. So hey, go, these people didn't have HBO. Moon chucking people out the moon door, you, you can't underestimate that entertainment. The entertainment yeah, value of that. I mean, that's uh, right. You, you got, don't get a lot of bards up in the mountains. You got jesters, bards, and moon just, doors. Just, 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 just counting the days, the next guy can chuck out the moon door. Robin certainly is. <laughs> my God. Uh, so we go over to Sansa, who antagonizes this Septa until Joffrey shows up. He apologizes for being a shit basket and promises that he'll treat her way better from now on. Then they kiss, and Sansa smiles. Uh, Fuck my, you, Sansa. You're my lady now. I really, mm, I just, nothing good about Sansa at this point. Yeah, you know, it's funny that her... Jesus, I don't like her. her wolf spoiled was little named, brat. Her, also, here's the thing about Sansa. Her wolf was named Lady. Uh-huh. This happened a few weeks ago that she was killed because of this little shit. If Sansa had an ounce of empathy or dog lover in her as soon as he said you're my lady now like for the seventh time she would have burst into tears <laughs> the fact that she doesn't tells me that sansa at this stage is a bad person and and yes i agree yes sweet robin exists in this universe so she's not the worst mm-hmm. but god just the way she's like this nun this septa <laughs> is so long-suffering like, she tried, like, uh, Sansa's taking yeah. pot shots at her left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, anyway. no, I actually don't care. Oh, or I just realized I don't give a shit about your hair. God. Well, fuck you, Sansa, child. You. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I wish someone could drop her on her head. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I I don't know. Joffrey, th- this is weird, like... <sighs> It, I guess it's later on in the scenes where Ned's telling his daughter they've got to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys got to right? go. Yeah, this is all you got to go. This whole attitude got to go. <laughs> but we'll we'll get there. Uh, so Theon stops this turnip cart, which has his favorite whore on it, Ross. Uh, she's headed to King's Landing because all the Winterfell business is drying up, and Theon tosses her a coin to see her beef one last time <laughs> as she leaves. Because, I mean, back. it's really Lost. all he could see is the bush. I've got not but turnips to fuck now. <laughs> right. Sure, yeah. He's like, worth a copper to see it one last time. I guess. That's the golden uh, min she's got there. She, yeah, she's got the the red... Is she redhead? She's redhead. I, yep. 
but yeah, she's on to greener pastures. Roz, see you later, uh, Theon. All time, all time favorite Game of Thrones lady for me. Yeah, yeah. Something about her. When you say Game of Thrones lady, do you mean all time favorite whore? <laughs> do you mean? Oh, no, I mean favorite woman I mean, in Game woman of Thrones. In Game of Thrones. Like I'm just really talking about just purely from a, a physical attractiveness level. Really? I know. I'm not. I'm, I've never been one of the uh, Danny people. Are you a Danny man? No, I'm not a Danny man. But really, is yeah. it a spoiler for you to talk about who's your? Uh... Probably. Okay. There, well. there are some. There are also just some randos who are extremely attractive. Oh, that's true. I, I guess if you have, you have that speaking line because there's been there's been okay. some you know crazy hot Dothraki women dancing in the backgrounds and like yeah. sex position at Littlefinger's palaces are legendary. Yeah, I see. I see. I see what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, speaking people with speaking lines. All right, fair enough. So we move on to Ned, who tells his daughters he's sending them back to Winterfell. Neither of them want to go. Uh, while Sansa's complaining about it, she says something about Joffrey being nothing like Robert, which causes Ned to take another look into the lineages and the histories of the great houses. Right. He finally, finally makes this connection with John Aaron's The Seat is Strong and the color of the Baratheon Lannister hair. Mm-hmm. Realizes that Joffrey is actually Jamie and Cersei's son. That's what's going through his head, right? I think so. He did, the hair color doesn't line up. <laughs> Wait a second. All of Robert's kids dye their hair? <laughs> <laughs> I just God. I love Arya's seven hells when she's when like, love it. Uh, and, oh, I love him. I want to have his baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, seven hells. And then then uh you know Ned saying, "Look, yep. when all this blows over, I'll find you something brave and gentle." I don't want someone brave and gentle and strong. I want him. Right. Oh, boy, do you. Oh, it's beautiful. So beautiful lines. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good dialogue from the show. Make makes makes one wonder who put Joffrey up into setting the hooks back into Sansa. You think somebody put you him think, up what, to it, or do you think he finally? It, it just feels like that there's the came to his senses because really, it just feels like there's a trap that's slowly being set, and nobody can does, see yeah. all the the working pieces because you know there's just there's just a lot of lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I was totally like I see a bunch of pieces falling into place here in this episode, but I was totally overwhelmed by just everything going on the first time I watched through it. Oh yeah, and the thing is, like, I just when Tyrion gets away, you're like, okay, well, maybe the realm won't plunge into total war, right? You know, what's going to be the thing that does it? Yeah, um, yeah it's called Game of Thrones. That Game of Tiddlywinks. Some some skulls going to be cracked. So we go over to the Dothraki for what is the final scene here they're celebrating i guess the they're celebrating the naming of this child i don't know the ho- the eating of the horse heart that's still going on yeah this, how long have they been celebrating Ain't no party a like a dothraki party man they how many people have died they don't have is this even a dothraki party <laughs> uh just well weddings? that's a wedding party okay. this is the horse eating party you can't spill blood there um, <laughs> and even fucking Viserys, that's how bad he is. He can't even party correctly. No, commits a party foul right off the bat. Yeah, he does. He's sw- swaggering in, strapped. You can't do that. Uh, yeah, he shows up drunk, completely drunk with a sword. He's angry that he delivered Danny, but Drogo never paid for her with the crown he was promised. Viserys threatens to cut out Danny's baby and take her back, so Drogo promises him a crown, and he gives him one. He melts down his belt and pours it. Right onto his head. Question. Yeah. Viserys plays this cool. 
if. Imagine a world okay. in which Viserys is capable of playing this entire situation cool. Okay. Yep. Does Cal Drogo ever uh, keep his end of the bargain? That's a really good question. Um, because there's I think not maybe much. The only leverage I think he the has. Thing. The only leverage he has is the fact that Danny's, I guess, whispering in his ear. Like if if and, and right. you'd have to imagine at that point in a world where Danny truly loved her brother, not just feared him. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, maybe she could compel him to keep his promise. But I just want. I just kind of wondered, like. You know, it's like, okay, we're right after the wedding, fine. And then she got knocked up, and you got to wait. And, Ray, you know, he's bouncing Rago on his knee. Does he? At what point does he, like, you know what? We are going to cross the Poison Sea, and we're going to go fuck shit up in Westeros. Yeah. I, I think maybe eventually. Hmm. Um, I, Viserys is definitely not patient enough. Well, that's the thing is out. now that we know that Varys and Illyrio are in this scheme, you're, you're, you're left to wonder, like, well, what the fuck? Did they, I mean, they don't seem like fools. So they must have right. had an expectation unless they, you know, this was all supposed to be distraction to lure Robert out or to do or to make him commit some kind of error. Like, you don't really know. Yeah. I mean, they want to kill the kid, I guess. Right. So, like. But is that or, what or they, they want to do? At the very least, say they need to stall. Yes. Because because he's going like he's going to wait to come over until the kid's born. Right. Um, right. Or maybe they're trying to make it. Maybe they're trying to bring it about faster. Well, that's the thing. Like, Varys said, you say delay, delay, delay. I say hurry, hurry, hurry. Right. So... So I guess they're at odds on that point. Yeah, that's, you know, and that's just a two-player. Wait till a player three enters. Oh, boy. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Have we got to the climax of this? Yeah, he don't, He melts down his belt. Drogo melts down his belt. And Broke his arm, molten too. gold onto Viserys' head. I forgot that little detail. Yeah, Broke that's so, really arm. pretty minor. That's the wind-up compared to... Yeah. Wow. This crown, this crown must be like half gold, half horse stew. <laughs> you just sure. dump it in the same pot. Yeah, that gold's never going to be pure again. No, that's uh, hardly a crown for a king. Also, like I was, I because none of this, none of this scene struck me as preposterous when I first saw uh-huh. it. Just fucking awesome. I looked it up. You know what the melting point of gold was? Way higher than that. Fire. I assumed it was relatively low because it's famously it's a soft, soft, easily ductile. But it's like two thousand fucking degrees. Yeah, you need what uh, kind of campfire? It's like a blacksmith's forge. You need like a bell. Yeah, you need a bell. You need to get that fire fucking hot. There's no way that bell would have melted. Okay, and that's like no I said, it never way. never occurred to think for for that to be a problem until. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that when I was watching it this time too. So. Yeah, there's actually. What are, what are they going to do? There, there was um, an article on the Smithsonian talking about the uh, this scene and uh, like what would be the actual mechanism of death. Heat, heat to your brain, like. Well, and it I would guess burn up your brain. I guess scientists <laughs> did, did, did devised this thing where they took like a, a cow esophagus, like or like the neck section, and poured molten lead down it to see what would happen. Down the neck section, yeah, into the skull. No, no, like, 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 you know. Oh, uh, down, like down the back of its neck. Yeah, and I guess right. like uh, number one, uh, it completely blocked the esophagus, so you would suffocate. Uh, number two, uh, like it instantly flashed some of the 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 this the t- the tissues, the steam which scorched the the cadaver's lungs and and right. caused a whole bunch, and also just the intense heat on one's head might literally cook your brain. Yeah. within seconds it's, it's as well. What probably what happens to you when you have like a really high fever to times a thousand, yeah, right? Like right, right. 
Uh, so yeah, like I like when when I read the article because it was like you know it was long scarlet article. So so like again, the mechanism of death is just molten gold. There's not any one thing, right? It's not like a bullet entered your brain. It's like a lot of catastrophic shit happened to you yeah. very very quickly. The but, autopsy is going to be pretty easy. But I guess there's like a historical precedent. There's uh sev- several in- in points in history where people had molten gold poured down their throat and whatnot. Usually as a crime for mm. like. Uh, uh, stealing, like from a royal. I forget there was like one in Roman times and another in medieval times. Hmm. But anyway, I wouldn't want it to happen to me. No, it's pretty fucked up. Uh, but that's that's pretty much it mm-hmm. for the episode. Didn't have to wait long for justice to come to Viserion or Viserius rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Any other closing thoughts? We should get the feedback. Let's get the feedback. Feedback. You can get feedback. You can get feedback. All the feedbacks at Game of Thrones at Bald Move. I get all the feedbacks. You guys send it in. It's a very. It's a force multiplier. Let me tell you what. Where's the feedback I was promised? <laughs> it's Game of Thrones at BaldMove.com. Forums at BaldMove.com. If you want to discuss stuff with your fellow fan, you know, Jim. Uh, one of the most memorable parts of this episode before we get the feedback is uh, Viserys getting a golden shower I... from Cal Drogo. <laughs> I think it was a golden crown. But... And you know, people might be wondering how we can give Bald Move a golden shower crown. And there's a couple <laughs> ways you can do that. Number one, go to club.baldmove.com. Uh, for as little as a buck a month, you can pee on Jim and I. What? And... <laughs> now, it's, now you've lost the thread. <laughs> and uh, it, it helps keep us. Support podcasting for some crazy reason that's what really you know it's different strokes with different folks yeah we sell that we yeah sell that on the black market you'd be surprised how much a hundred gold yeah you thought the you thought the bonus video content was like you know us talking about television and video game no it's actually just pee. you know it's, it's, it largely involves pee uh so yeah you go to club.ballmove.com that keeps us podcasting because again cold hard reality truth is we wouldn't be doing this if we weren't uh getting an economic benefit and if it wasn't for like-minded fans such as yourself pitching in and, and making it possible for us to do this on a full-time basis another great way if you don't want a truck with all that the uh, golden showers you can send us a copper shower yeah where you go to amazon.ballmove.com and we siphon pennies copper pennies uh, a little bit at a time, uh, you know, a Roz romp here, a Roz romp there. Uh, you use Amazon.BaldMove.com. You get the same, you get the same Amazon experience. Get all the same prices and shipping. It doesn't cost you anything. That's the magic of it. You, know, you talk about a lot of dragons and and blood magic and all that. This this is the real magic. You go to Amazon.BaldMove.com and you give us free love just by shopping on there. It's insane. Uh, those are the two primary ways to support us: Club.BaldMove.com. Amazon.baldmove.com. Please help us continue on making these independent podcasts. Uh, first off is a feedback, and I somehow chopped off your name. I apologize uh, profusely, but I will consider your thoughts. Oh, nameless one. Um, they wondered, when Catelyn was transporting an imprisoned Tyrion to the Eyrie, why is Bronn there? We know he was at the inn. He was the one who gave up his room for in a no-vacancy venue for gold coin. But is there any reason for him to be present when, one, the traveling party is attacked by the Hill Tribes, or two, when Tyrion asks for a champion after Liza says trial won't wait for Jaime? Callan hmm. calls out seemingly a half dozen bannermen in the end to seize Tyrion. If you add a few of those now trusted people to her traveling party, along with Roderick, that would seem like a large enough group to make the trip to her sister's keep. You're not imprisoning the mountain, but a relatively non-threatening upper-class dwarf best known for reading books and drinking wine. Well, they did know there would probably be trouble on the road. That is that, and that's let's just cut to the chase because 
Um, I feel like that is the key thing that, um, Roderick is not an idiot. He knows that the road from here to the Erie is, is treacherous and it's got the, you got to travel through a pass. that would have the mountain tribes that regularly kind of, you know, they're like the bandits of that area. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to roll deep, wanted to roll in a deep, deep crew, a deep posse just to prevent anything from happening to his lady. So I feel like yeah. Braun probably got into that, you know, just by being a, essentially a sellsword. It could also be Braun just trying to weasel his way into a pack of yeah of lords and ladies, like right. But you know, this can't go bad for me if I help out Catelyn Stark. Now Let's the Bard, which I thought his little beginnings of a song were pretty amusing. I don't think he's there by invitation. I think he's definitely a glomeron. Like right. Here's hey, where the I money's go going. Guys? Well, it's a free country and it's a public road, so I can literally not do anything to prevent it. Right. But, but I we can know, throw like, down a well. That's my only recourse. Catelyn's <laughs> uh, got money. Tyrion's got money. Yeah. There's a lot of reason for this bard to follow the money here, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, he has some other points, or he or she, mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, what is he doing there after, you know, after he's successfully being escorted? Why would he hang around? But again, I know, I know it's interesting because if you read the prequels so, all about Duncan, the Sir Duncan the Tall, where he starts off as a hedge knight, which you've got, you know, all a knight means is someone anointed you as a knight. Okay, right. got you down on one knee, tipped your shoulders, and called you a sir. Uh, and it has to be at least a knight that does that. Once you're a knight, though, unless you have a lord that you're in service with, you're essentially homeless, mm-hmm. uh, and you're sleeping out at you know in hedges. That's why they call him a hedge knight. So. You know, hedge knights and cell swords are always itching to kind of get themselves. You know, they're waiting for a war to break out, or rebellion, or you know, a tournament, so they can hopefully distinguish themselves. I feel like J- Bronze, one of those guys. He's just angling, like he's hanging out at the crossroads, you know, where the action's at, and he sees this opportunity, and he's going to see where it goes, pursue it. And the other thing he is, he probably heard about John Aaron's death. And he might be there for the same reason all these lords are there, to oh, try true. and might have win been, the hand of Lysa, right? I, I don't know if he's that lordly, but sure. uh, you know, certainly... But why not take his chances now that he's here? I think it's probably more more likely that he was trying... You know, there's where all the lords are going to be, so if he's trying to sell a sword into their sure. service to get yeah. money, that would be something he could do. Right. Uh, Cody S. said, What the hell are those women carrying for Hugh's body wearing on their heads? Uh, so that's the Silent Sisters. They're a special order of not septas, but they they're a special order that's that their worship revolves around the stranger, which is the mysterious aspect of the seven uh, figured uh, godhood that represents death. Mm-hmm. So they um, predominantly are made up of like widows. That's traditionally like something like if you're widowed early or young or old that you can enter into the service. And they they do funerary customs. They have an array of arts, like they have beetle boxes and special boiling methods to render the flesh off a skeleton and provide like you know uh, houses with uh, you know skeletonized bodies so they can take them back to their burial grounds or whatnot. Mm. They just essentially are you know the morticians of the realm and. Since there's a taboo about looking at a, a face or at a, a silent sister in a face because it's essentially like looking at the face of death, they wear elaborate face masks so you can only see their eyes, hmm. and then they have the seven pointed star behind them, kind of you know just to be, be, reflect their holy status. Okay. Um, also, want to know did Baelish make the bet to confirm Rinley's relation to Loras? 
we talked a little about this last episode. I think our take was that that was more of a, hey, careful about how lippy you get with me or I'll out you more than I'm making this bet because I don't know that he's gay. Because I don't see how him betting against or for Sir Loris proves anything about the personal relationship. No, I mean, I just took it as this is a thing that people do. They bet on the outcome of these tournaments. Right. Uh, did Baelish know that Kat took Tyrion or planned for Jamie to confront Ned? Um, I That's a great question. I think you're supposed to be asking that. You know, what did Littlefinger know? Who's Littlefinger working for? Did right. he betray Ned? Did he keep him there? Did Was this all a bullshit show that he put on for Ned's benefit when he says, I'll go get the gold cloaks. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, how and why is the bard traveling with Kat? I feel like the last question uh, or last email we covered that pretty well. Yep. Uh, Joe from Germany. Uh, heard from our Air Force officer last time in the spoiler section. This time, uh, a co- uh, Army Ranger. Just want to offer my perspective on your discussion of Alistair Thorne's motivational I've seen some shit speech he gave to Jon Snow in episode 4. I'm an army ranger stationed in Germany and a combat veteran myself. As mm. much as I root for Jon Snow and his open-mouthed acting, when you hear Alistair's action... A lot of people are saying that Jon Snow's a real slackjaw in season one. I haven't noticed. Yeah. yeah. Does oh, he sit I there noticed. and oh, oh, just, just, with a gaping much. open? Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh... <laughs> As much as I root for his open mouth acting, when you view Alistair's actions and overall attitude through the prism of military hierarchy, I think it makes a whole lot more sense. For example, uh, I had a young private new to the army who showed, if he said, for example, I had a young private new to the army who showed some natural leadership ability or quote unquote swordsmanship, I would still be my responsibility as a steward to learn him something. Mm-hmm. Alistair's growly antagonistic relationship parallels perfectly a crusty drill sergeant that you'd find in today's military. This is a guy who's been north of the wall countless times, has seen his fellow brothers sliced and diced by wildlings. As much as the viewer despises his character, one cannot help but understand his motivations from the jump. I think this is one area where the show does a better job than the book. The actor who plays Alistair, I think, brings a lot of shades to an otherwise nasty character. (laughs) Sure, the guy's a, a lot of blind spots, but he's unquestionably brave and a capable commander. At this early stage in the show, I can't help but label his abuse of John as developmental to his future career as a black brother. Basically, he's knocking his little lordling down a peg or two. Anyway, it's just my perspective as a combat veteran, so take it for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I have, you know, I, I think last episode when we were talking about him and this speech, or two episodes ago, whatever it was, uh, we both pretty much were on that same page, right? Like, it, sure, it John doesn't understand it, Um and it may not be the best way. Maybe there's a better way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's he's obviously trying to say, "Hey, you're not prepared for the shit that's out there." Yeah, that's it's my funny job. because my old co-host Mad Brew was a former Marine himself, and he, I remember, like, it's so weird getting um, this email uh, from Joe because it's like gave me a strong sense of deja vu having this right. exact same argument, not argument, but discussion with Mad Brew about the military perspective on this military sure. organization so no i think your your viewpoint counts for a lot and, and again uh, thanks for your service so uh anything else you want to say or should we move on to the spoiler section let's move on all right again game of thrones at baldmove.com if you want to send feedback for the next show also reminder we recorded this uh right after we recorded 105 so it's going to be uh, you know, if we didn't get to any of your thoughts for 105, it's just because you know we'd already recorded this. So we'll probably have a supersized mailbag on the next one 
look forward to that. Uh, but if you're not joining right. us for the spoiler section, we'll see you in a week. Yeah, and if you are, uh, sit through the music. We'll be back in a few seconds. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye-bye. And we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, anything in particular you want to talk about? Just poor Roz, man. She got she takes so much shit from Theon, and then we know ultimately kind of what he predicts here, as big of a dick as he is, came true. Um, you know, as she points out, there's not a lot of, you know, she accurately predicted that there's going to be war and there wouldn't be a lot of trade up north, and we saw what a shit show Winterfell ends up becoming. Right. But on the other hand, she gets tortured to death as Joffrey's plaything. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I just like as I just felt so much foreshadowing and dread and again, she's my she's my favorite Game of Thrones girl and it's right. just a a goddamn shame because she's also got a lot of capabilities as uh-huh. Littlefinger exploits uh later on and uh I don't know, it's a damn shame. Uh that's the big takeaway that I had from this. Everything else, you know, like shit happens in the next two episodes but i didn't see a lot of um i mean this is also the episode where it really cemented the targaryens are fireproof right but also hashtag not all targaryens because the series certainly wasn't yeah and they really started hinting at this early i'm i'm surprised how early like even episode one of course there was a a small hint yeah but then here it becomes a lot more prominent and as we discussed ad infinitum and ad nauseum um this is a show only thing right that that George is on record as saying that you know the magical fire protection she has later on this season was a one time blood magic kind of thing, mm-hmm. whereas the double d's decided for whatever reason, and there's lots of good reasons, lots of cons apparently you know uh, obviously too uh to make it an explicit targaryen trait, just i guess you know make people less what the fuck when it's more of a foreshadowing that comes true than a just like what the fuck is going on here yeah um so yeah uh. Anything else? Like, did Danny's father or mother fuck a dragon? Is that why she's a, <laughs> she's actually a dragon and Viserys yeah, isn't? Yeah, she's a dragon bastard. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I I wouldn't be surprised if a Targaryen tried because you know, yeah, famously yeah. one drank wildfire to try right. to become a dragon. Uh, one like burnt down like their summer home because he was trying to hatch dragons, or at least that's the theory mm-hmm. that 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 everybody tells themselves. So fucking, I'm sure one of the lesser Targaryens fucked a dragon. Oh yeah, it's like the zombie apocalypse. You know, there's someone out there who's gonna get it in their head to fuck a zombie. Yeah, you know what's gonna happen. I mean, there are dragon shaped dildos on the market right now. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Was it bad? Dra- I mean, bad so, dragon. Like if you had the yeah. real thing, especially those like stunted, you know, small cat sized. Uh, some, oh, some of those Targaryens yeah. went about raping some dragons. I guarantee. Absolutely. So, you know, whether anything can't, you know, half dragon, half men. Uh, who's to say? A lot uh, of smart people have said that Targaryens fuck dragons. You know, I'm not. I, I'm just saying there's a lot of controversy there. What are you? What are you going to say? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to bring up the seed of strong stuff, but now we start to really see the the puzzle being laid out here, and Ned making the connections, which you know later on get him killed. I, I think it's next episode is the betrayal of Ned, and then episode later after that is him in the Black Dungeons, and then right. off with his head treatment. So yeah, 
It happens yeah. real fast from here on out. Like he I, confronts Cersei next episode. Does he wait? Does he get beheaded in episode eight or nine? It might be eight. It might be eight. Huh. Because I, I know that everyone says that nine is always the hammer episode. Yeah, maybe it's. But nine. maybe nine is where Danny puts herself up on the the funeral pyre. Right. Uh, I don't remember honestly. It's been well, that so could long. be the end of ten. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how this all pays because I've always took it for granted. In episode nine is the hammer. Episode ten is kind of like fuck yeah next season, and that kind of has have, have held true for the first four or so seasons. Less so mm-hmm. in uh, the later seasons, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's all paced out. Um, and they're they're really going uh, hard into this Theon thing with him, you know, loving to use the old cock. Mm-hmm. But I, I never yeah, caught that thing. in the first time I through. I know, and that's the thing. Like, they really set up his betrayal of Rob in season two fairly well. Okay. And they right. also really set up the fact that he is this, you know, cocksure, ha-ha guy who loves his cock. I never really picked up on that in yeah. the first watch. Yeah. Well, I remember, like, you know, he had the whole salt now. wife thing where he was just, you know, having salt sex with, wife. Yeah, with some captain's daughter. And then he tries to hit up on his own sister and... Like he does, yeah. I don't remember. Any that of seems that like stuff. one of his major character flaws is he's ruled by his cock, hmm. which you know, Ramsey exploits later. Hey, I ain't, I, I ain't gonna throw any stones in this glass house. So, <laughs> uh, Mario B says, while there's sufficient evidence for Ned to figure out Cersei's children are not Roberts, how could he possibly make the connection to Jamie's? Is this something in the books that leads Ned to come to this conclusion? Because there's no support for it in the show. I disagree. He takes a look around and he sees the blonde hair and. There you go. But they also, you're forgetting that, you know, Kat did her CSI Winterfell routine, retrieved Found the, the hair. blonde hair, yeah. realized, you know, you, the, the brand must have seen something. And then you got to think that. trying to kill Bran, supposedly. You got to and... think that, you know, we didn't see it, but it stands a reason that, she, you know, she would tell Ned all of her findings. Uh-huh. So. And we know that Ned, it, you know, Littlefinger told Ned, hey, this is. There's the dagger from Tyrion, and he's probably behind it, so maybe he's protecting his brother and sister. Right. There's some stuff that could lead you in that direction. Yeah. No, I feel like that there, there's enough evidence that even a, you know, like a, a, a thick-headed bloke like Ned could still put the information together. Right. And, and you know, as an I'm audience member... Jest, I don't really think Ned's stupid. <laughs> of course. It's something I like to say because it's funny. Uh, but as an audience member, we should definitely be getting that picture now, right? Oh yeah! Like we know Jamie and Cersei are fucking. We're no, we know the Lannisters have golden hair. Yeah, we know that the Baratheons don't now. Uh, we should have put that together. The other thing is, I never bought. Does Jamie have blonde hair? Nah. I always thought that nah. was the weirdest thing. Is like if you're going to make it a big deal that they're all to be golden children, like literally golden children. Like at best, he's got yeah. dishwater br- blonde hair. It's dirty blonde for yeah, dirty oh, as yeah. shit. Like not bathed in months, kind of dirty blonde. Uh-huh. And then like when he gets a haircut in later seasons, it's really ridiculous. Yeah. So I mean, Cersei's blonde. They could have put some Cersei's at least highlights blonde. in there. Get some root action. I don't know, but I that was the one kind of what the fuck I thought is like, well, what the hell? He's not really even blonde. Yeah. That's oh, well. a, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, so there you go, Mario KCC. My question: What do you think are the chances uh, that these foreshadowed couples become real before the end of the series? Are you ready to play the matchmaker? Jora and Danny. Is that one of them? It's got to be one of them, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, she wants to talk about Tyrion and Sansa. 
Marjorie's speech in the garden about his attractiveness, plus Sansa calling him kind to Ramsay, plus Tyrion and Sansa being the reason Danny and the North join forces. Uh, the only thing about the only thing about that is I always thought that Tyrion's a little old for her. I mean, she's, she's well, like supposed to be like what does that even mean in this 15? world? Well, I, I know. Okay, but we're talking about <laughs> things that we want to see. Right. I'm not a medieval lecher. I am a modern modern man that thinks that maybe a 15 year old girl and a 40 year old dwarf shouldn't. Well, a happily ever Sansa is not 15 in the show. There's no fucking way she's 15 in the show. I think that I do believe that she is like very like yeah like she just gets like we see her get her maidenhood next season. Uh, she's not that old. Like, I don't even think she's 18 in the last season. Mm. You can hmm all you want, but, like... I don't know unless, about that. Anyway, old... I don't give a shit about, like, modern-day okay. modern day quibbles with So you, you like age. Tyrion and Sansa? I, I think it's good for both of them. All right. That's I think, fair. I think Tyrion and her are well-suited for each other, especially now that Sansa's growing into an actual woman with intelligence and some understanding of the world. I'm trying to think also if I don't like it because it was a forced marriage. And like, obviously this it, time it would not be, but, but what I'm saying is like, yeah, so do I, but I'm trying to analyze my own resistance to it. Right, is right. it because like, you know, is that a good or bad thing? Like the fact that like, okay, well it's first before forced the first time Tyrion was, re- you know, you, you can't fault him being a gentleman about the whole thing. And, you know, Sansa's been through a lot and she sees like the good and bad of humanity and she decides that he's actually not so. And, and then the second time is for real. And it's like, I guess yeah. that's kind of a nice story. I think it is. Uh, yeah. I And I think of all the people she's met, Tyrion's the only one who's been nice to her. I think, you know, Peter Dinklage is a good looking guy. And, sure. you know, he's like supposed to be a skilled lover. He's funny. He's smart. Right. He's rich and powerful. Like, what more do you want? Uh, a little less blood on a man's hands, maybe. Um, let's see, Aryan Gendry. Here's one I definitely do <laughs> I not don't like. Know about this one? Uh, a my my lady flirtations. Plus, she trusts him. Plus, the Baratheons need to play a part until the end, and he's the last one left. Literally, last one left. Wow, shit, I forgot about that. Hmm. Like, because Cersei had all the other bastards put to death memorably. Um, here's the thing: I always read them brother and sister. Like, big brother, little sister. So that would be weird for that to turn into a romantic relationship. Sure. But that's honestly the only qualm I have with it. Yeah, I don't know if Arya is interested in that sort of thing. Arya doesn't. Like, she might say seven hells to your email here. Right. And then then where are you at, Casey? Uh, I'm just going to – I'm going to ship every odd one. Here we go. It's going to be like Star Trek. We're not here. done. We're not done. I know. This one, okay. I'm shipping it. Yes. Let's okay. do it. Oh, this one. Okay. This one. I thought you had one that you're going to you're nope, ship. Nope. This okay. next one. We're good. Uh, Braun and the Sand Snake Chick with the nice boobs. <laughs> oh, shit. You have the jail flirtation, plus Braun ultimately needs to land the lady after all the Lannister promises. Can, but- can we say stellar boobs? Like, she might be the one out of all the Game of Thrones women. Really? Yeah, a Sand Snake Jim? I don't like her personality all that much, but if we're talking about looks... Ooh. Hmm. You like the like the sand snake pixies, eh? I guess so. Uh, jail for Tish. Either that or Marjorie. Eh, that's, yeah. Marjorie's not a bad bad choice. N- not, a, not a bad choice there. <laughs> uh, jail flirtation plus Braun ultimately needs land lady after all Lannister promises. Bonus, since Braun is with Jamie, if this connection happened, it means Jamie and Braun probably connect with Tyrion, Danny, John, Sansa, 
which brings Brienne into the picture. Oh my god. That's my like Brienne that's my ultimate ship, Brienne and Jamie. Yeah. As I always thought like everyone Can... talks about how ugly Brienne is in the books, but like the way they they always talk about Arya being ugly too. Right. But then she's also favorably compare, compelled to her aunt Lyanna who is like one of the great beauties of the realm and every time I hear they describe Brienne it's like Oh, they're they're overly large lips and piercing blue eyes and you know freckles on her. It's like What's wrong oh with that yeah. I'm like this sounds like kind of a supermodel, right? You just don't like her because she's a big woman that can whip your ass. <laughs> yeah, I think Jamie. That's exactly the kind of woman he would he would like. I think so. They uh, always talk about Tyrion being ugly too, but he's well, not. in the books, he's a fucking hideous thing. Like he's so he's, I've heard. He's yeah, twisted and misshapen. No and nose. He's got no and, nose yeah. and hideous scars and mismatched eyes and hunchback like he's like really rough jesus okay yeah peter dinklage is uh is a really hollywood hollywoodified version of him yeah uh which is fine uh you did you, you, i cut you off you had that one you won the ship no i was going with every odd one that he oh presented do you mean every literally every odd one yes like every one, oddly oh, numbered jesus yeah Christ. okay <laughs> all right well there you go, um, Casey. At least one of us took your 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 feedback seriously. <laughs> I'm just not a shipper. You're the shipper of the group. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, Allie M from Manchester. I've been listening to your ponderings for a few months, so I don't know if you've covered this already. But I was wondering if you could shed some light onto why the show's cast is made up of predominantly white actors. There are minimal Asians, Middle Easterns, or South American contingencies, and only two recurring black characters are Zaro Zun Doxos. Doxos. In season two, and Ariel Hota from seasons five and six. The Dornish characters are actually actors of various nationalities. For example, Namiria Sand is half Singaporean Chinese, while Laria is Indian Swiss Italian, which comes across as if the producers just wanted people of slightly darker skin without actually having an idea of their heritage and culture. Sure. That I, sounds right. <laughs> I understand that Germ based the books on medieval England and therefore Westeros would be mainly Caucasian, but what across the Narrow Sea and the rest of Essos? Surely Danny or Tyrion would have met less people of white skin than the show portrays. Maybe Gurm is expanding his world. Um, but as Danny is now sailing back to Westeros, will we ever learn more of the world's characters and cultures? So there's two questions here. One okay. is a, uh, you know, a diversity kind of thing. And one is mm-hmm. like interesting cultures kind of thing. Um, Cause I'm, I agree. It's neat to see all the different types of cultures, and like in the books, it's lousy with them. You got the Dothraki, you've got the free cities, you got the slave cities, you got the Shadowlands of Ashai, you got all the legends about old Valeria, and you get just the barest, you know, apple skin of detail uh, that, that bleeds across into the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as the diversity, I feel like we have a difference of opinion here. Is that you know, I feel like you're kind of like, well, it's supposed to be the medieval ages and it's supposed to be kind of a representation of great Britain. So it's not shocking that you have a predominantly white cast. Whereas I take more of like, well, yeah, but it's also science fiction. You have dragons. So would it kill a person to have, uh, you know, other, other minorities in there? Right. And I, like I always viewed, I guess the Dothraki as a slighter, slightly darker tint. Um, but you know, not really. I mean, they don't do a lot with that. And also, like, the slaves in Marine and all these slave cities, they're kind of all white. Well, that's the like, thing. Like, there was I, a big complaint about this in Season 5. Well, there's also a big complaint in Season 1 where, like, you know, when Danny does her kind of, I guess, white savior scene at the end of Season 2, 
Yeah. Almost everyone that's, you know, supposedly from these slave cities that are from kind of like these Mediterranean cultures, including like, you know, North African, uh, they're all like 99% white. So it's right. like, really? Yeah. You couldn't find. But uh, like I said, I it's interesting because Dan Harmon's talked a lot about this in his latest few podcasts that he's kind of tried to, you know, make, you know, a more diverse writing staff and diverse cast kind of a thing. And he says it's really yeah. hard because when you're writing from your person, I, you know, I grew up in – I'm not talking about Dan Harmon. Uh, I grew up in Minnesota. When I think about my life stories, a lot of them took place with guys like me. And right. then when I found that I con- – he goes, I, I consciously stopped. It's like I stopped when I was writing up character descriptions. I wouldn't refer to their sex or their ethnicity. But I'd write stuff like, you know – they're every every day like he's like I, they're an everyman fuck that implies they're man all right they're just an every everyday kind of person that anyone could 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 uh <laughs> you know see themselves as okay. and invariably the central casting would send him a bunch of white dudes sure because okay. that's what the culture says is the default and he's like you know it's really a it's it's really something that you have to constantly keep and if you want to make it you know if if you think that changing that culture is important it's something you gotta kind of lead and 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 master yourself and and the your your casting agents and all that stuff to, to get them on board with it i imagine that's that makes it real difficult in a writer's room especially because everybody has a different experience everybody right. has a different perspective and if you try to incorporate all perspectives i mean you kind of lose a part of that that vision right but on the other hand like for for i think dan's purposes he finds that fascinating because those conflicts in a writer's room can translate on the screen and then it's more relatable and real. Whereas if well, it's just me okay. telling my story of my slice of Americana, then, but it wouldn't be to you, right? You would, you'd be like, well, that doesn't match my experience because that's not my perspective. Right. Like, like it's hard. Like, I don't know to me, like an artistic expression of a vision, uh, almost needs to be like a singular creative focus. Like it's real hard to have all of these different perspectives and mesh them together and come up with something that satisfies any one person, right? Yeah, and I think that there's you know, so it's so it's different types of like you got the singular artistic vo- focus, you know, like you know to the ultimate extreme examples are like what we're seeing with Mr. Robot right now, or, or like season one of True, True Detective, Detective sure, yeah. Um, and you know those are pretty awesome, but then you also have more collaborative works of art. And I feel like that they right, yeah. both have their places, and maybe they do. And then none of this is speaking to casting whatsoever. And that is the fucked up part: is I don't know why you cast white people to be what are clearly not supposed to be white people on the screen. Right. Well, because they're lazy, and they're you're filming in Europe, and the you know it's a lot. You know, but like, lazy. I mean, nothing about Game of Thrones well, strikes me as it's, lazy. It's that's so th- weird. Here. You're right. It's not lazy. It's just like you know, if you ask a lighting guy. It, the light is certain scene he's going to go to is like well okay this scene is so dark and it's got this much material and i'm gonna need this much lighting so i'm gonna use this particular bulb and blah 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 like it's 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 kind of like it's the routine if i if if, if someone describes a character as such like you know you describe an everyman like okay that is right but i mean george martin doesn't really describe an everyman with all these different cultures that he so intricately lays out right he describes a culture that's based on another culture whose skin tone we know. Yeah. Why during the creation of this, our casting director is not going out and saying, we need a bunch of extras who fit the mold of the thing that he was writing to. Mm. 
Yeah, I like mean, that's on them, kinda. Kinda. Because I mean, but also, I it think seems to me that Martin did write a bunch of diversity into this thing. A bit, like you know, it's kind of like it, it's it's tough because just like J.R.R. Tolkien before him, you know, all the heroic, all the heroic characters are essentially occupying the United Kingdom. Right, and all of right. the villainous or side characters are from the exotic lands, and sure. like that's like a lot of people uh, would be like, "Well, that's kind of just racist on the face of it." Like that's you know, uh, well, you know, there's a lot of ink been spilt about that already. But it's sure. tough because I think when George Martin started writing this twenty so years ago, he probably wasn't, even though he's a liberal liberal progressive himself, this probably wasn't as much on his radar. Like, it'd be interesting if he started writing this now with his sensibilities now in the state of the world. But, you know, the the art reflects the culture and the culture shapes the art. So, yeah, yeah, but it's interesting because the reason I think, you know, people like, oh, you know, Aaron's just, uh, you know, up his ass with his liberal values. um, It's more like I don't. I like television and I like this stuff and I like to see the best of the best. <laughs> and like, if you went back to 1950s basketball, did you see the best athletes competing of the time or ever? Well, I'm like, just saying like the, when, when the, the league was 100% white guys, uh-huh. were you seeing the absolute best product put on the courts? I would argue not because in, if you flash forward 50 years or 60 well, years. I, I would argue yes because they're trained to play. So, like, raw physical talent? No, maybe not. Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, if the you best let the black, basketball if, if players on the black, planet, If you yes. let the black men on the court, then it, 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 it changes the game. I right, wonder. Right. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, like Hollywood, although this would be it's super entertaining. Uh, <laughs> oh, if, no. like, if 100 years from now, Hollywood's dominated by, like, uh, black actors and actresses and writers, right. and it's the it's truly like you know what people are bitching about now, like oh, when's the white man going to get a shot? Or right, right. Let it, we won't let a white you know white man can't write, white man can't <laughs> act. Like I, I, that would be kind of funny and entertaining to me mm-hmm. um, because you know shit. Someone else take the wheel. Someone right. some, someone else take the wheel. I I I, I um, but I I don't think that, but I do think that. The the stories that you're getting from this diversity, like, and I look at like the Orange is the New Blacks and the Knights of, and some of the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, Stranger Things. Um, you get that stuff. Like thirty years ago, Stranger Things would have been four white boys, right? Absolutely. Now you've got you know one white boy, or it would have been three white boys and a crazy Asian kid. Who, yeah, like who goodies. talked in who talked in an exaggerated Asian accent right. and all that stuff. Yeah. It's it's hard to argue that like this particular cast. You got two white guys, a black kid, a little girl. Uh-huh. One of them's got some kind of um, you know one of them might be on the spectrum. One of them might have I, I forget what exactly his deformity was. Um, but the, that story is more interesting because of it and more engaging mm-hmm. to a wider variety of people because of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a good thing from a, you know, interesting possible, like the Rubik's cube combination of things that can happen in humanity, the more colors and the more sides and the more twists you can put in that, the better. So sure. yeah. that's why like, you know, I'm more of a pragmatic, you know, I know I, I do come off of a flaming liberal, I'm actually more of a pragmatist in, in, in life. And that's why I like fuck fuck your medieval uh, Europe. I would still like to right. see you know like if you can find it in your heart to, to to let dragons and magic in the world, maybe you can figure out a way of why there would be an interesting black character, or an interesting Asian character in here. Yeah, 
Just, no, I'm just with you. I, I think it's ridiculous that 99% of this cast is white. Having said that, I do feel like that, you know, again, I also don't come down in the double Ds because they're just falling. They're just doing the things that, that, that people have been doing for decades to be rich and famous in the industry. And I feel like they've gotten criticism. And like, if you compare some of the scenes of like Danny and her followers and season two versus season five, they have gotten better. Uh, and you know, they, you know, they read and listen to the criticism and I don't think they're a bunch of fucking tools they are like, well, fuck you. I feel like the, you know, they're, they try to do better. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they got Missandei and Grey Worm. Is that, is that what you're referring to with Danny? No, I'm just saying like, if you just look at a the general, extras. like you look at a general crowd and Marine, okay. it looks more like I would think a crowd and Marine would look than like season two. Right. Right. Uh, or season, whichever, maybe it was season three. I, I might've gotten my seasons confused. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I think, Allie. Um, any other thoughts, or should we leave it there? Yeah, let's leave it there. All right. Uh, thanks for everybody writing in. Uh, again, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com if you want to send feedback and talk to the fellow fans, respectively. That's it for this week. We'll be back for next episode 107, entitled whatever. I don't know what it is. Titled Little Finger Cuts Ned's Throat. Mm, essentially think, oh i think that's the prelude to that that's part one part two is the actual maybe even part three well, he just cuts it a little <laughs> he just kind of slices next it three episodes is just interspersed with a screaming ned slowly being decapitated with a blunt spoon uh really drug it out yeah really drug it out yeah they let the mountain chop him a couple times <laughs> There's no way the mountain he's, doesn't. He's got a really leathery neck. I mean, he's up there in the north. He's doing hard day's work. And I'm just saying, if you told showers. the mountain, hey, take it easy on Ned Stark's neck. We don't want this to be a one-chop affair. Right. He would just one-chop it. He can't He can't, <laughs> he can't not help. do it. It's like, I, tr- I pulled back. What do you want? Yeah. I didn't follow through. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, we've got that to look forward to. Uh, but we'll see you then. See you.